Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right. How's everybody doing today? All right. Man, uh, the worship team nailed it today, didn't they? That's good stuff. Hey, we appreciate you being here, and we're continuing our series called Stone Faced. And today, this is for all the people who've ever decided they were going to do something and then failed at it. Is that anybody in here? That's me. Hey, you know what? This might even just be a reminder to you that you need to go back and cancel that gym membership that you hadn't been to since February, whatever. (laughs) Hey, we all do things like that. But the fact of the matter is that uh, consistency is something that we need to to strive for and to look for. You, whatever we are is because we repeatedly do certain things. We are what we repeatedly do. We're not what we occasionally do. You know, if you've ever met somebody and they said, yo, man, I'm like a surfer dude, and you ask them where they live and they tell you Amarillo, you know they're not really surfer dudes, okay? But sometimes we want to pretend to be what we're not. I want us to look at today how we can be, build consistency into our lives, how we can grow in our walk with the Lord. You know, successful people are people who consistently do the things that other people only occasionally do. Successful churches, those that are successful for the kingdom of God, are churches that repeatedly do what other churches only occasionally do. And that's involved in doing things that sometimes are uncomfortable or difficulty, and there's always pushback when we're trying to be obedient, when we're trying to do things that God leads us to do. So I want you to see that even if you failed, even if you don't think you can consistently do something, that you can. And so there are a lot of places where this can apply, but I'm going to specifically kind of look at what it means to spend time alone with God every day, spend time in His Word, in prayer. You know, when I was growing up, it was called a quiet time. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but that's something that as believers we need to do, is we need to spend some time with the Lord every day. We need to spend some time in God's Word. And I want us to look at a couple of things. I want us to look at the man in Scripture who is the most consistent person in, all the, in, the, in the entire Word of God other than Jesus. I want us to see why sometimes people lose before they even start. I want us to see why sometimes things that we think might be winning are actually losing. And then I want us to see how what somebody else may think is losing can actually be winning. And if you're confused enough, that's okay. We're going to get there. But I want to start about talking about Daniel. And everybody knows the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But there's a reason why Daniel was able to be faithful even in the face of death. And I want us to look at somebody that God shows us live the life of consistency. And we're going to start in Daniel 6. You want to turn your Bibles there. We're going to read Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. And so if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Now, here's the thing about Daniel. Is he was part of the nation of Israel. They were captive in the nation of Babylon. And the kings of Babylon decided, hey, let's take their very best when they're 12. And let's train them how to to govern and how to serve and be public servants. And so Daniel was one of those guys. And he grew to a place of of great importance in the kingdom. And that brings enemies with it. And so they were trying to find some way to bring Daniel down. And that's where we are in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs 
but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, if we're going to be consistent in the things of God, if we're going to be obedient to Him, we're going to seek to honor Him in our lives, we're going to find ourselves in a place where Daniel was. And that's where sometimes the culture and the world is against us. And that's going to bring about a crisis. That's going to bring about choices. That's going to bring about um, different times when we're going to have to stand up for the things of God, even in the face of adversity. And so here's what happened. They couldn't find anything in Daniel's life. He, he was trustworthy. He was responsible. He wasn't stealing money. He was doing the right thing. And so they decided, we're going to have to find some other way. And so they decided to use his religion or his devotion to God against him. And that's the place that we all find ourselves in the world we're living in today, is that the God that we serve, they're going to try to use that against us. And so what they did was they went to the king. And they said, oh, king, you're such a great king. You're just awesome. You're more awesomer than all other kings. And so they said, you know what? You should just, you should just pass a law that no one can worship anybody but you. I mean, you're that great. And so he allowed his vanity to be appealed to, and he made a law, even though he loved Daniel. He didn't realize it was going to affect him. But he made this law that anyone who worshiped or prayed to another god would have to be put to death. And so here's what happens when Daniel hears about that law. So you'd think, well, man, you know, he probably went off and said, man, what do I do now? That's not what happened. It says in Daniel 6.10, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So what did Daniel do? He just kept doing the things he'd always done. And that was seeking the face of God three times a day in his home. And then later on, when the men turned him in, and the king couldn't figure out a way out of it, there was something about Persian law that once it had been signed by the king, it couldn't be changed. And so here he was, and they're having to cast him into a den of hungry lions. And you know what's interesting to me? I'd encourage you to read the whole story. It's in Daniel 6. He never complained. He didn't whine. He didn't get out and beg for his life. Here's what happens. is he gets thrown in there, and the next day the king stays up all night. He runs up there first thing in the morning and says, Daniel, did the God that you serve, was he able to save you? And Daniel says, King, I'm fine. He says, my God has saved me by shutting the mouths of the lions. And he said, and I've never done anything against you. And then it says in verse 23, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Now, all the scripture is a story of God's goodness and God's faithfulness to man. But here we find a story where man has been faithful to God. Here's what I want you to see from this story. David didn't learn to trust God in the lion's den that's where all that he had learned about trusting God became useful. And here's the thing. Daniel learned to trust God by every day, consistently seeking out God. You know, we're not what we do occasionally. We're what we do repeatedly. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. That just as Daniel sought God every day, 
you can see God, you can hear from God through the Word every day and spend some time in prayer. And I know, well, you know, how do I do that? I, there, I want us to look at the reasons why we fail with that. Sometimes people fail and they lose before they even get started. And one of the reasons is, maybe you've tried that in the past. Man, I decided I was going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I was going to read the Bible for two hours before my day started and yada, yada, yada. And you did that for one morning and then bam, the next day you, you, you failed. And once you failed, you know, I can't do this, it's too much. And so we quit. Now, Paul talks about that even. And Paul was one of the most upright, disciplined men that we see in Scripture. But here's what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. He says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And he's talking about this struggle that's within us. And here's what happens sometimes is we just go, you know what? I've tried to beat this. I've tried to beat this habit or I've tried to do this. I've tried to build this consistency and I've tried to get up and read the word of God. I've tried to do this, but I just can't do it. And so what do we decide the next time that idea comes around? Hey, I can't do that. I just can't. It's just who I am. There's a whole cottage movement in Christian circles of trying to make people feel comfortable with losing. Okay? Here it is. You can see it on t-shirts. You can see it on bumper stickers. There are books about it. Well, hey, you know what? I do. I love God, but I just cuss a little. I love God, but I get drunk every now and then. I love God, but I do this, yada, yada. In other words, hey, I tried to quit and I just can't. So that's just who I am. And that's just, and then they try to pass it off as, I'm just, I'm just being real. Just being real. Hey, we all struggle with that. Everybody struggles with it. You got to make a choice. Are you going to keep struggling? Or are you just going to give up? Because if you give up, you've lost before you even got started. Well, I, I've even had men, I had men tell me, you in the word of God? Well, I, I just, I don't, I don't read. I don't read. Well, you, you can read, right? Well, yeah, I can read. I just don't. I, you know, I, I just, it's just not, I just don't. I don't read. Well, I'm sorry, but the Word of God came to us in written form. You understand that? So if you want to know the Word of God, you're either going to have to have somebody sit down and read it to you. Maybe you're wealthy enough. You can hire your own reader. Somebody to come and just read it to you in the morning. Are you ready? We're going to start. To, or you could get up and do it and read it for yourself. And you know what? If, you, if you're just that lazy, you can even get a free app. It's called the version, Y-O-U version Bible app that will read it to you, okay? But you can get the Word of God in you one way or the other. But if you've already said, well, I just, that's just not, I don't do that, then you've already lost. You've already given yourself the big L before you even got started, all right? Sometimes we just, we lose because we don't even start. We just think, well, I, I'm not going to be able to keep that up. I'm not going to be able to do that. And so we don't. You know what? Everybody's always on people. And I, and I made a joke about them earlier that sign up on January 1st for a gym membership every year and then go for like a week and quit. But you know what I'm going to say about them people? At least they're trying. Now, maybe it's just for a week, but at least they're going to, you know what? They probably canceled it in March and they're going to start it up again in January. Hey, go for it. Try it. Don't quit. 
Don't be a quitter. Now, some people don't ever get started because it's going to cost them too much. The rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, 21 through 24, came to Jesus with an awesome question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do to be right with God? What do I need to do to live a life of purpose? What do I need to do to, to, to find something bigger than myself? And Jesus tells him, he says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus invited him to come follow him. When the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. You know what he said? It just cost too much. You know, I'm just too busy to do that. I'm too busy to be involved in a small group Bible study. I'm too busy to get into the Word of God. I'm too busy to pray. You know what? Through the years, I've had a lot of people that came to me that were in a moment of crisis, and they were looking for a spiritual answer because their world had come crashing down on them. And you know what? We, we help them as best we can. We love on them. We try to tell them. But, and, and occasionally, somebody will stick that has come in a moment of crisis. But here's the thing. When, it, when the chips are down, you're going to do what you've repeatedly done. And if you've trained yourself and you've been seeking God through your life, that's what you're going to do is you're going to seek the Lord. But if you've been just trying to get away from it or living life your own way or doing things your own way, that's what you're going to go back to. And over and over again, I've seen people that come in a moment of crisis, hey, I, I need God. But as soon as the shock of it wears off, they're gone. And they go right back to doing what they did before. Because when you start telling them, man, you, you, want, to, you want to come to Jesus? Here's what it takes. You want to follow Christ? Here's what it means. Some people, they decide the cost is too much. And you know what? Here's, here's the deal. Some of y'all here today, I love you. God loves you. Jesus loves you enough to die for you. And you came to that point where you understood that the only way to be saved was through a relationship with Jesus. And you did that. But ever since then, you've been going, ah, that's too much. You've never really been fully committed to anything spiritually. And then you wonder why your life doesn't go the way you intended it to. Why there's nothing God-ordained about it. Because you've never really been all in. You've been kind of, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go this far, but then I'm done. I mean, I, 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 I want to be, I want to follow Jesus, but I, hey, I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look like some, you know, religious freak running around, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I'm done there. That's just the enemy trying to make you fearful. Are there people that run around as, that are, Hey, there's people that claim to be religious that I'm like, whoa, dude. They're out there. They're not really following Jesus. Here's the deal. Are you, are you, are you really in? Are you willing to try it even if you were to fail? Failure's part of it. Then there's people that look like they're winning, but they're really losing. And I've been one of these in, at different times. I have. 
Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. Now, I never intentionally tried to do something for show, but I, I, there have been times when I've been like, I got the, the what mixed up with the why. You see, reading the Word of God is not an end unto itself. Having a quiet time is not an end unto itself. And there were times when I'd be like, all right, seven days a row, man, seven days a row. I had my quiet time every day this week. Now, I got to admit, some of them, I, you know, I get in there and I start reading and my mind would start wandering and I'd read, but I'd immediately forget what I read. Nothing spoke to me, but I read. I got to read this many verses. Okay, here we go. And I'd read that many verses. And then I'd check it off. Boom, check it off. All right, go to church. Checked off. You know, be, be, do this, check it off. But let me tell you something. Reading the Word of God is not like if you read it this many days in a row, you're all of a sudden going to be spiritually mature or God's going to speak to you. God, when you get in the Word of God, it's so that you can hear God speak to you. It's not about checking off a box. See, here's the deal. On their arms, he said, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. See, there was a time where it talked about wearing the Word of God on you. you know, it, it was meant to be a, a concept. And so what they would do was they made boxes. Some of them put them on their foreheads. They were called a phylactery. And they put verses in there. And so, you know, it's the first is some little guy, and he's got a, what are you doing, man? It's well, I got my verse in there, bro. Like you said, keep it near your head. And so the next guy said, he goes down to the local woodworker and says, hey, man, you see that box? He said, yeah, I want one cooler and bigger. And so then he came out, and then before you know it, there's people walking around. They got chest of drawers hanging off their heads. So they're, they're showing everybody, hey, look at this. Look at my, my box. is way bigger. Got way bigger verses here. And it was for show. But nothing happened as a result. It didn't change them on the inside. In Matthew 23, 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb, herb gardens. I always get that wrong. I want to say herb instead of herb. Any of y'all do that? I do it anyway. But you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You see what they would do? Some of y'all, y'all got these, you know, maybe y'all make cumin or dill or, or you grow something and you got it right there in the, in the window pane of your, of your house. And, you know, when you need to season something, you take a little bit off, you go over there and season it. Well, the Pharisees would pull off a couple of leaves and then they would carefully cut off 10% of that little leaf and then drop it in the offering box at church and go, I am such a tither that I tithe 10% of the little leaf that I cut off of my plant in my house and put it in the, in the offering. I don't want none of y'all's garden things in the offering boxes, all right? Nobody wants to be digging out little, little leaves out of there. What are we going to do with them anyway? For one thing, we don't know where all they've been. How'd you get them here? You carry them in your nasty pocket up here? I, I'm just kidding. See, they were all following the letter of the law, but they were, it wasn't changing them. There wasn't any mercy there. There wasn't any love for God. They were just doing stuff to check it off. 
Do you think God woke up and, and is, is, oh my, I'm so impressed. They went to church. I mean, does God want you in church? Absolutely. But he doesn't, it's not a box he checks off. He wants you to hear him and meet, meet with him. He doesn't just say, oh, well, they read their Bible. He wants to know, is it getting in your life? Is it changing you? Is it making you more like Jesus? That's when winning kind of looks like losing. And then there's a third group, and this is the one we need to be in. You know, let's just say the first group, you know, hey, the challenge was be in the Word of God for 30 days. Have a, have a time with the Lord every day. And the first group's like, oh, man, I don't have time for that. Or they were like, nah, dude, I've tried that before, fail. I, that's just not me. I don't spend time with God. That ain't me. So they lost. Then the second group said, I did it for 30 days, 30 days straight. Got up every day, lit a couple of candles, had a quiet area over in the house, had my Bible there, brought my cup of coffee over, played worship music in the background, read 18 verses a day. One day I read 25 verses, did all that. But guess what? It didn't go anywhere. But now here's the third group. Out of the first 30 days, they failed 10 days. They failed a third of the days. But you know what? There was that one day where they read that verse. And then later on, as they thought about it all day long, it just stuck with them. And their kids did something. And they decided not to yell at their kids where they normally would have, even though their kids probably deserved being yelled at. They didn't yell. They gave him something that was the Word of God. And then there was that other day, you know, then they missed a couple more days. They blew it. But then they were reading and God spoke to them something about in a particular way in one of those verses. And later on, as they were sitting, having coffee with a friend, they shared that with them. And it, and it encouraged their friend. And so instead of just getting to the 30 days and going, hey, you know, we failed 20, 10 out of the 30 days, they went ahead and did another, another 30. They kept doing it. And so by the end of 40 days, they still failed quite a bit. Maybe the second month, they only failed, they only missed it nine times. And so out of those groups, one of them got the word, didn't get any of the word of God in them. One of them read, but didn't get the word of God in them, but they did it for 30 days. And then the third group over two months, they got the word of God in them. 49 times, 39 times, excuse me. I don't know about you, but I, I call that winning. They failed more than any of the other two. First group didn't even start. They didn't fail at all. The second group did it, but didn't get the word of God in them. But the third group, it was, and it was messy too. Man, sometimes they, just, they, they had it on the counter while they were fixing breakfast, but they were listening to what God said to them. And then there was that day where they sat down and they really listened. And then there was another day they just didn't get to it. And then there was another day where, man, they were, they were parked in the car before they went into work. But they opened up their Bible, maybe on their phone, and, and they just said, God, speak to me. And they spent just a few minutes before they walked in there and they heard God. And see, that's, it's kind of messy and it's maybe not neat and it's maybe not perfect. But that's when losing becomes winning. Yeah, I didn't get 30 days. As a matter of fact, I only strung like four days together once before I failed again. 
But you know what I did? I kept getting up the next day, and, and I kept trying. And God used it. We now, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. You see, that's the thing. It's not people who get knocked down. It's what you do after you're knocked down. It's not whether or not sometimes you don't understand what's going on, but it's what you do with that. Or, or does it drive you to despair? Or does it drive you to God? You're going to get pressured. You're going to get knocked down. There's going to be days it's not going to be pretty. But it's the people that, you know what, even when they blow it, even in failure, they get up and move on. You know, God never plans for you to fail, but he always has a plan for your failure. In Romans 8, it says, he works all things to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything. Even your failure. I guarantee you there are people all over this room that could stand up and give you a testimony about that time they failed. And how God used it. Maybe it was to encourage somebody else. Maybe it was to minister to somebody else. Maybe God needed to show us something. And maybe there was something that we failed and we thought, man, I can't believe that I blew that. And later on we looked back and thought, man, I'm so glad that God allowed that to happen. You see, he's not planning for you to fail, but he always has a plan for your failure. Here's the deal. You want to be more consistent. You want to let God move, show himself, change you. There's three things you got to be. One of them's all in. You got, you got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to try. And you got to be willing to let go. That's what it costs. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Paul's talking about a weakness he has in his own life. And he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, if you're not willing to risk failure, you're never going to do anything. Some of the greatest moments in my life have been 
preceded by a day when I thought, oh my gosh, God, if you don't show up, this is going to make me look like a total idiot. If you don't do what you do, this is going to be a huge failure. But I'm going to go ahead, and if I end up looking like an idiot, if I end up failing, I'm going to do it. Days like that were right before some of the greatest days of my life spiritually and seeing God do things that only He could do. You got to be willing to be all in. Forget about how many times you failed in the past. Be willing to get up, move on. And that's part of the next part. You got to forget and press on. Philippians 3 12 through 14. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection. He said, I still blow it. Paul was saying that. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You know how my week started out? I knew, you know, before this week came up that I was going to preach on consistency this week. And then Monday hit. You know, Monday sometimes, they don't just hit, they reach up and slap you in the face two or three times before lunch even. And it was Monday. And you know what? I got to the end of the day and realized not one time had I even cracked my Bible. <gasps> the preacher blew his quiet. Yes, I did. And you know what I'm thinking is I'm, the next day, you know what, I should probably just ditch consistency for this week and do it some other week, maybe when I'm a little more consistent. And then I thought, you know what, no, this is the perfect week to do it. Why is that? Because consistency doesn't mean perfect. It just means you keep on. And you're going to fail, and you're going to blow it, and it's not going to look great all the time, but you get up the next day and you keep going. And so I thought, I'm not going to quit on what I was going to preach this week. I'm going to do it anyway, even though I blew it. First honking day of the week. And yet, this is what I do. I'm a preacher. Everybody fails. It's not what you do in failure. It's what you do after failure that matters. So you forget. And then what do you say? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. You've you got to be willing to set your failures behind you and move on. You know what? Jesus did that. God did that for us. The Bible says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west and that he remembers them no more. Do you know if you were to go up to God and say, hey, God, you remember that when I blew that? He'd go, nope. God, remember when I did it? Nope. He remembers them no more. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have a conscious memory of it, but he chooses not to dwell in it. He chooses not to bring it up. If you ever hear a voice saying, hey, you remember that time you blew it? That's not God speaking, that's the enemy. If you ever hear a voice saying, 
You can't do that. You fail at it however many times. That's not God saying that. That's the enemy. Because that's not how God works. Now, here's the last part with the Word of God. Be full. You press on, you forget, and you be full. Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. You see, that's the why. It's not about being able to say, oh, well, I did this this many times. That's the what. The more you get into the Word of God every day, the more you spend time with God every day, the more the Word of God can fill your life. You know, you might be, well, you know, I've read parts of the Bible. Here's what I do. I've told you, told you this before. Most of you know it, maybe not. I read five Psalms and a book of Proverbs every single day. That's the time that I spend with the Lord. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've read through the Psalms. But do you know what? Every single day when I get in there and I'm like, God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. God speaks to me through one of those Psalms or more. And you know what? Whenever he speaks, it's not like, oh yeah, God, I remember that. It's fresh. I can't explain it to you. This isn't just a book. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And whenever I get into it on a regular basis, even things that I've read over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, God speaks to me in a new way. And I'm like, wow. I didn't, I've never seen it that way. All you have to do is listen through the Word. God has something He wants to tell you. God wants to speak to you. And the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let the message about Christ fill your lives. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. What's that one thing that you need to do that would help you move forward in your walk with Christ? I'm not saying pick out a list of 10 things. Just one thing. And work on it. And be willing to keep working on it, even when you fail. Make a decision. You know what, God? I'm going to do that. I'm going to get the Word in me. I'm going to pray more. I'm going I'm to do this more. Whatever it is that you feel like God's put on your heart, be willing to do it. And understand up front, yeah, I'm going to fail. But when I fail, I'm going to forget about it and I'm going to press on. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to keep going. Would you commit to that one thing today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I want to encourage you today. Even as I'm speaking right now, I want you to be praying. God, help me. can't do this on my own. But Lord, I, I, I want to follow you. I want to be more like you. I want your word to change who I am. Now for some of you, maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, you were worried the cost was too high. Or maybe you thought that it was based on a list of things that you had to do. And so you just never did them. Or you didn't think you could. Or maybe you've been checking off those boxes, hey, I'm a good person. 
I go to church sometimes. I try to do the right thing. I need you to understand. The Bible tells us really clearly, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us that are good enough to reach God on our own. He is perfect and holy and just. And the wages of sin is death. Even the smallest sin that we've committed is worthy of death. But guess what? God loves you. And he made a way. And he made a way by sending his son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. And he died on the cross as a substitute for anyone who would believe in him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did that for you. And then he rose on the third day. You got to believe in Jesus. And then the third thing, it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and here's where the cost part comes, is you, you just come as you are and you lay it all down at the foot of Jesus. The Bible tells in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You lay it all down. It's about faith. It's about trust. And if you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus, because that's the only way you'll ever be right with God, it's the only way you can be forgiven of your sins, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. So I want to encourage you, if that's you, and you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, you'd like to know that you have peace with God, not only for now, but for all eternity in heaven. You pray this prayer with me right now. You can repeat it after me, or you can pray in your own words pray it with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life, and cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything for anybody else. But all I want you to do is just look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you prayed that prayer today, there'll be a uh, pastor here right at the front as soon as the service is over. You can come tell them, and we'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how to take the next steps. Or there's a number on your screen you can text, I did it, and we'll get in touch with you. We don't want anything from you. We just want to help you. If you're here with your parents, tell one of them after the service is over that you prayed that prayer with me and you'd like to talk to someone, and we'd love to meet with you. Now for the rest of us, for those of you who may, did feel a prompting of God, hey, this is, I know I need to do this. I wanna pray for you, so pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that 
You don't leave us where, where you find us. That, Father, you constantly are working our lives and our hearts. Father, help us to follow you. Lord, help us to be consistent in seeking you and hearing from you, praying to you. And Father, you know in every life what's most needed. And you know those that made a decision today, Lord, to try and to be consistent, to, to, to be committed to that. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them, you'd encourage them, and that you would lead them. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.